This is The Rant presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this Thursday afternoon. It's almost Friday, and we had a good night last night when we're talking about New York sports. But before I get to Knicks, Nets, Mets, Yankees, uh, all from last night, just want to remind you that you can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You could access those via the link tree in my bio on Instagram at the Strive Sports. Uh, you could also just watch on the Instagram page. I upload all of my podcasts to Instagram. Uh, the rant covers basically all of the outcomes in New York sports from the night prior. Uh, if there's no New York sports the night before, then I won't be uh, you know, recording and posting an episode of The Rant. Uh, last night was a big night for New York sports. So I'm here ranting, daily dose of rant. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I'll be recording my uh, other shows later on. Uh, but let's get to it. Going to start by talking about the Knicks and their win last night against the Atlanta Hawks, extending their uh, winning streak to eight games, 137-127 win for the Knicks in overtime. Uh, Trey Young gets injured in the second half of that game. Uh, is a big reason why the Knicks were able to battle that battle that win out. Um, but uh, you just got to give credit uh, where credit's due, and that's to the hustle uh, and and just the heart of the Knicks, um, you know, looking at just knowing that recently they've been uh, doing their thing and going uh, back to the gym after games late night, putting in more work. Uh, Thibodeau believes that's a, the, a major reason as to why R.J. Barrett uh, is where he is right now, uh, shooting 38% from three, 17 and a half points, more efficient, way more efficient player this year than he was last year. Um, you know, he's putting in the work every night, even after game days, uh, he's going back to the gym, whether it be at the garden or in their facilities in Tarrytown, uh, putting in the work, trying to get better for a 20 year old to, you know, have the role model that Julius Randle is, uh, who had the role model and Kobe Bryant, uh, is huge. And it's, uh, making a major impact on the team. I mean, after the win Tuesday night against the Hornets, uh, apparently Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin came back out on the court at the garden, uh, kept on shooting around more. So before I really start analyzing the, this win for the Knicks, uh, it just goes to show how far, uh, you know, hard work can go. Uh, Julius Randle, someone that no one, no one ever thought was going to, was going to get to this level uh, of play uh, last night, posting 40 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. He's averaging around six assists on the season. No one ever thought that he'd be this efficient of a player. Someone that could average 23, shoot 40 percent from uh, from three point range, uh, and be able to get you know over five assists a game. Be the best facilitator on the team. Uh, a guy that can bring up the ball, a point forward type. Uh, no one really saw Julius Randle as that. Uh, I remember the rant when uh, when the Knicks signed Julius Randle. It was like the day of or the day after the Nets got KD and Kyrie. Uh, Stephen A. was begging the Knicks, why, you know, like, I don't mind the signing, but does it have to be the day or the day after KD and Kyrie go to the Nets? We couldn't have just waited, you know, a couple more days, a week, and then got him? Uh you know, that, that's now like a, a meme type of thing. Uh, obviously, signing Julius Randle, one of the best moves probably at this point in the history of the Knicks. Uh, really, what he's been doing this season is phenomenal. One of the greatest uh, single-season turnarounds for the Knicks. Uh, 
And just to quote Kendrick Perkins in his tweet last night, uh, he says, Like I said, Julius Randle is in the MVP conversation. He put a casual 40-piece winged in a lemon pepper style with 11 boards and 6 assists with, with, with the W. By the way, the Knicks are currently on an 8-game winning streak. Carry the hell on. Uh, you know, it goes to show how the perception of the Knicks around the league could change really that quick. Uh, going from, you know, last season, 21 wins uh, and, you know, not even having not nothing close to the right team assembled. Uh, you know, clearly, as I stated in the past, Leon Rose knew what type of team he wanted to assemble. A guy filled with hard workers who are determined to get better every single day and are going to give it their all on both sides of the ball. Uh, the signings of... Bullock, Burks, Noel, uh, acquiring D-Rose, you know, uh, drafting a guy like Quickly. Uh, you know, there there could have been maybe other guys that they could have drafted better, like Halliburton, but are guys like Halliburton as committed to improving every single day as Quickly is? Yes, Halliburton, amazing player, one of the best rookies this year, if not the best, arguably. Um, maybe struggling a little bit more recently. But is he as committed uh, to getting better as quickly? Is he going to go to the gym after after a win, after you play well in a win and shoot around more uh, to you know show your coach that you're improving, to, to actually improve and to, to really deserve and earn the, the more minutes that you get? Uh, and you know when, it, when it's all said and done and you show it on the court, that improvement like Julius Randle has, that, that feeling just must be, be amazing. And, uh, you know, some people just aren't willing to put in that work. Uh, but I'll tell you, it, it's showing with the Knicks right now. Hard work always pays off. That is uh, that is the vibe I'm getting. Uh, I see it all the time in sports. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's the case in many aspects of life. Hard work pays off. But I think more so in sports than maybe a, a lot of other things. Hard work, uh, I, I seem to seems to always pay off whether it be you know a coach like Bill Belichick spending you know full-on nights uh, in his office studying tape of opposing teams and p building the perfect game plan or spending the night in the gym putting up shots working on your ball handling um, and then bringing that out to the court and being able to score and facilitate for your teammates uh, like Julius Randle has been able to this season it's really just phenomenal and uh, I hope that I could carry it into my life this hard work uh, you know will always pay off mentality because uh, you know I'm trying to do my best with these I obviously don't have a lot of viewers right now um, just trying to get better every day in every aspect whether it be riding the BK train getting you the right selections or uh, just getting my ideas across in a good manner uh, on this show the rant uh, so and also just getting you know good topics coming along with the with the right with the right topics that'll engage uh, the fans for my other show, The Dogmatist. Uh, but it's amazing to see the effort that the Knicks put in every single night. You know, obviously New Yorkers love that because uh, it, it, New York, the place where you grind uh, from 6 a.m. You know, maybe to to 1 a.m. Like these, the people from the city know all about grinding, and uh, that's why Knicks fans love defense more than anything. And it's just an added bonus that all of a sudden, uh, 
Uh, you know, we're, we're an extremely good three-point shooting team, top 10 in the league out of nowhere. We'll take it. But, you know, what always comes first for the Knicks and their fans and Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau knows it from his time with the Knicks and being a Knicks fan growing up. Defense always comes first. It's the most important thing for the Knicks, uh, the players on the court, and the fans. We love watching our Knicks play defense. Uh, so now, after that whole uh, little side piece rant of how I love how hard the Knicks play, uh, let's get into some analysis of the game. Uh, so, unfortunately, last night, Trey Young, uh, one of the best three point shooters in the league, probably the best player on the Hawks. Uh, Went down with an ankle injury last night while putting up a floater. I believe he landed on his right ankle awkwardly. Um, and uh, he had to leave the game, unfortunately. Uh, in that moment, I kind of knew that uh, this was our game to win. Uh, their best player being being out. I believe that Danilo Gallinari was also not playing last night. And then their two first-round picks last, last year, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, both not playing. So when Trey Young went out, uh, and he already had... What is it? Um, 20 points, 14 assists. You know, he wasn't shooting so efficiently. 6 of 17 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. But he was plus 13 at that point because he was facilitating. You know, he, was, he had 14 assists. That's accounting for at least 28 of the points. Uh, so he, was, he, had a, his, he had a major impact in the game, obviously, other than just scoring the ball. So when he went out, I knew that the Knicks were about to start rolling. Uh, you know... Uh, we were down seven going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I was a little bit concerned still uh, because just because we've been playing so well recently, even in the third quarter, a, a quarter in which we've struggled, um, you know, a lot uh, throughout the season so far. I don't think that we were down seven going into the fourth quarter, by the way, which is why I paused there a little bit. Um, I think that we were down... Seven, yes, I believe that we were down seven going into the fourth quarter. That is my mistake. Um, but then we go, but then we outscore the the Hawks by seven in the fourth quarter. Uh, outscore them by ten in overtime. Uh, Bullock, phenomenal game is only you know he's only been getting hotter as the season has gone on. Uh, he shot six of eleven from three last night. I remember earlier on the season when uh, I was watching games with my father and. We had no confidence in Bullock at all. Uh, he was just—he wasn't showing any confidence either. But now, over the last ten games, shooting 42.5% from three, and on the season now at this point, he's shooting 40.5% from three. He's gotten himself up to 40%. He's one of the reasons why the Knicks are a top 10 teams team in terms of three-point shooting. Um, you know, these are both higher than his career averages. For his career, he's a 39% three-point shooter. So this might be one of the best years of his career overall. Uh, he's a defensive stud, Bullock. Uh, I've said it before, and I saw it again last night. Uh, he will guard the best player on the other team, and it could be you know a point guard, a shooting guard, a th or a three. He's a versatile defender like that. And his 18 points were absolutely crucial for us last night. Him, him uh, Randall, and Bullock accounted for, uh, you know, close to, uh, you know, over a third of the points that we had last night. Uh, they also combined for 10 assists. But we cannot, I cannot forget to mention the man, 
the men off the bench that really got the job done. Uh, R.J. Barrett didn't even come into the game until like the, the final moments of the game, under a minute left. Uh, we were going with Derrick Rose and quickly before that. Derrick Rose finished with 20 points. 8-12 from the field, 1-1 one one from 3. Emmanuel quickly, also 20 points. He was plus 29, the largest plus uh, in, the enti- in the entire game. Uh, he shot 7-11 from the field, 4-6 from 3. Uh, was just phenomenal. He, he had clutch shot after clutch shot. There was, a time, there was a point where we were down like 7, I believe. He had a 3, uh, made, it da- made it so that we're down 4. And then, you know... The, in the final couple minutes of overtime, uh, the Hawks making a, a slight push back. Emmanuel quickly catch and shoot on the move. Uh, hits a huge three to solidify the lead and the victory for the Knicks. Um, you know, there are just so many great things about this about this win last night uh, from the fact that it's a seven-game win streak uh, moving on to eight. Uh, you know, something that we haven't seen since 2013. Uh, additionally, Mike Woodson was in the crowd last night, a former head coach for the Knicks when they had that uh, last longest streak, and former assistant coach this season before getting hired by uh, the University of Indiana, or Indiana University, I'm blanking. Uh, but point is, is that it's just a storybook, uh, you know, what's going on for the Knicks right now. Uh, with you know them having lost out to the, the Nets uh, and getting Kyrie, Kyrie and KD uh, to you know signing Julius Randle and Knicks fans being upset to not making the bubble last year to the to signing Leon Rose to uh, the immense improvement from Julius Randle to uh, you know the the amazing moves and signings that Leon Rose has uh, made for this team. During his real, really his first year as the leader of of the organization, uh, not owner, just leader. I count him as the leader. I haven't heard much of Dolan recently, uh, you know. And I see Leon Rose at both games that I went to. They show him constantly on MSG. So I think I'd like to think of Leon Rose as the leader of this organization right now. Uh, you know, that also may be wishful thinking, and that I don't want to be thinking of James Dolan as the leader of the organization anymore. Uh, we'll see what happens with it, but overall, in his one-off season, uh, he's put together a team that is going to give it your all on the defensive end and offensive end every single game, every single possession. Uh, he got guys that uh, improved our three-point shooting, Bullock, Burks, uh you know, even Derrick Rose since he's come to the Knicks. Um, Emmanuel quickly through the draft. Uh, he's he's and getting the guys, the correct guys for the Thibodeau mentality, the guys that are going to grind it out every single day. Clearly has had an impact on R.J. Barrett and and his play. Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what he's at in terms of three point shooting now because he had a poor game last night. But he was a he was at 39 percent before last night's game. Uh, He's fifth, shooting 50% in the last 10, and he's for the season. It's 38. He's 38.6% from downtown. So it's really just amazing things happening with the Knicks. It's it's magical what's happening in New York right now. Uh, as LeBron said, uh, you know, basketball, the NBA is just better when the Knicks 
are around. Uh, and to, one more point that I want to make about the bench uh, and how good, well they've been playing. You know, I, I had the issues with them earlier, my concerns with Rosen quickly playing together, them not really meshing. Um, but you look at the net ratings for for benches uh, at this point of the season. Uh, so the Knicks are not in the top five for minutes per game or points per game for their bench. But in terms of net rating, being efficient, uh, their bench is ranked third, only behind the Suns and the Lakers. And then the two teams behind them in the top five are the Jazz and the Clippers. Goes to show how important the bench is for the Knicks. Uh, you know, D. Rose and Emmanuel Quickly, two guards that can get their own bucket. You know, they both ha- they both can handle. They both have jump shots. Uh, and, you know, hopefully Mitchell Robinson could come back at some point. And then having Noel come off the bench, uh, you know, that'll be beneficial. But, you know, I will miss Taj Gibson. You know, I, I've probably said some negative things about him. Uh, I've definitely said negative things about his play, about his game, uh, not on this podcast. I'm unsure if I what I've said about him on this podcast. I know I used to say that no Noel thing. Get rid of that. Scratch that. Love Noel. Amazing move. Uh, last night, 9 points, 12 boards, 4 or 5 from the field, 3 blocks. Uh, and he left the game a little bit early, but returned. So, uh, you know, he's not letting any injuries get in his way. But I just need to shout out Taj Gibson also because uh, he's another guy that's uh, being a role model for other players on this team right now, I believe. Uh, only until now, we started peaking. I think a lot of players are peaking in their careers right now. Reggie Bullock and Julius Randle being two of them. Maybe even R.J. Barrett also, but he has a long way to go. Uh, but I think that Taj Gibson has been a very nice role model for the for all players on this team, whether it be uh, you know middle of their career veterans or uh, guys that are just starting their careers in R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, uh, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, Taj Gibson hustles, I think, harder than anybody on the team. Uh, he's the oldest player on the team, and he's hustling harder, if not just as hard as anyone else uh, on this squad. So I think it's setting that that mentality that uh, if you're not going to grind, just like Taj Gibson, the oldest guy on the team, you're not going to get your minutes. Um, and that hasn't really been an issue recently. There's been nobody that you know has been uh, sat due to lack of defense. Um, all all of the main guys still playing. Uh, we also even gave Norvell, we we uh, basically gifted Norvell Pell a two-year contract uh, because of his play during uh, this this time in which we need big men and uh, and Mitchell Robinson being out. Uh, you know, obviously, I w- I've said it before, I would have loved to have had Gorgie Jang. I, I like his mid-range ability shooting-wise in addition to his-, his height and his defensive ability. He also used to play for Tom Thibodeau. But I really can't complain about any single one thing uh, in the- uh, about the Knicks right now. Uh, you know, maybe defense a little bit. They gave up 127 points. That's a little bit too much. But when it came down to it, you look at that overtime score – the Hawks only scored five points in overtime. We outscored them by ten. Uh, same thing, basically, that happened on this past Sunday against the Pelicans. Uh, game goes to over. We win the fourth quarter. Game goes to overtime. We outscore them by ten because our defensive intensity is off the charts and continue on that winning streak. 
So really amazing thing that the Knicks are, are going for right now. Uh, trying to move it on to, to nine games now. We got the Raptors on Saturday, uh, 1 p.m., matinee game. Uh, Thibodeau enacted his rule that uh, no one can go to the facility today to even shoot around. Um, everyone needs to take a rest day because, uh, you know, we, we still have tomorrow as a day in which we could practice. Thibodeau hasn't even been asking for the team to practice a lot recently, and they've still been going after hours on their own to, to work out. Goes to show these are the type of players that we need to be going after uh, and also goes to show that these are the players that we haven't been going after for the past, like, 10 years. Uh, we're not getting the dogs uh, that that we needed. And finally, uh, we made a move to, to get some dogs. Reggie Bullock, uh, you know, Drew, even Julius Randle, um, Nerlens Noel, Emmanuel quickly drafted uh, the right guy, finally drafting a dog, uh, made that mistake in the past, drafting like Kevin Knox instead of Michael Porter Jr. And, uh, you know, definitely other selections that I'm blanking on. But, you know, it's just really amazing things that, that the Knicks are doing right now. Goes to show how much hard work pays off and that... Uh, I think that the culture's changed. People are viewing the Knicks in a different light and that uh, the future is extremely bright for the Knicks and uh, Knicks fans should be very excited about uh, the young talent we have in R.J. Barrett, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, you know, Julius Randle still could be argued that he's not even entered into his prime yet. I believe that he's still uh, 27 years old uh, or he's 20, t turning 27 this year in November. So, you know, the Knicks, the future is bright. It's very exciting times. Uh, but it's also very exciting times for New York basketball overall, which moves me on to my rant to the Nets game last night and their loss to the Atlanta, I mean, to the Toronto Raptors. They lose by 11 points to the Toronto Raptors. I'm pretty sure that prior to this game, the Raptors were absolutely reeling um, or not. That actually, uh, I mean, they were reeling beforehand, but recently they are now on a four-game winning streak after last night. Uh, that's a bad sign for the Knicks going into Saturday. At least, at least it's a home game for the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks are amazing at home this year. Uh, I don't think that the Raptors are anything special on the road. Uh, they're not. They are 10 and uh, 19 on the road. So that's that's not so great. But uh, that's that's for another time. Talk that Knicks Raptors matchup later on. Raptors win their fourth in a row last night against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, the Nets shot basically 39 and a half percent from three and 31 and a half percent. I mean 39 and a half percent from the field and 31 and a half percent from three. Um, and you know, they, they didn't even do such a bad defensive job, but, uh, I think that that's mainly because the Raptors are really struggling this year. They're not, uh, really what they should be. Uh, you know, they've had injuries also. Fred Van Vliet has been out. They obviously made the move to, to part ways with Norman Powell. Um, their bench has definitely been, uh, a letdown this year. I look at their bench. Uh, compared to their starters, their whole starting five was in the plus, and they were all plus 10 at least. Uh, their four out of their five bench players that played were in the minus last night. So 
goes to show that their their bench is kind of struggling a little bit right now. Uh, but you know they're, they're still a quality team. They still have good players. Talking about Siakam, Anunobi, Lowry, Van Van Vliet. Then uh, they have good young players in uh, Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent, Boucher. All those guys coming off the bench, but. Uh, you know, it's just a struggle for them this year. You know, it didn't work out. I wouldn't, you know, blow it all up after this year, but they definitely need another high-caliber player, uh, especially to probably replace Kyle Lowry, who's going to be uh, moving elsewhere in this offseason. But uh, looking at the Nets last night, uh, I these are the issues that I'm concerned with when it comes to the playoffs, especially if, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, Harden, and KD aren't going to be able to click uh when it gets to the playoffs, but I continuously talk about the Nets' other guys and how good they are. But you look at last night, uh, other than Joe Harris, really, and I guess Blake Griffin, he went 3 of 6, Blake. Uh, you went 0 of 2 from 3, though. Um, Joe Harris also had a good game, but you look at Landry Shamit, 3 of 17 from the field, 2 of 12 from 3. Jeff Green, Really one of the most key components of the team. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start when all those guys come back, but Uncle Jeff has been huge for them. He's a big body, 6'9", could play. You know, he could guard a 2 or 3 or a 4 and even a 5, so he's a versatile defender. But he was 2 of 9 last night, 1 of 7 from 3. Uh, that's just not going to cut it. And then Lualu Cabarrot, 2 of 9 from the field, and his 2 makes were from 3. He was 2 of 6 from 3. Um so, you know, there are other guys when we're talking about Green, Shaman, and Luwalu Cabarot. And then, uh, you know, Bruce Brown had a good game last night, 8 of 14, kind of saved them. If he didn't, it would have been an even worse loss, I think. But uh, those, you can't even, even with KD Harden uh, and Kyrie on the court, you can't afford, uh, you know, a combined shooting like that when we're talking about Luwalu Cabarot, Shaman, and Jeff Green. Those are all really incredible important players for them and you know the ultimate goal that we talk about for the Nets is making the finals and you know if they're going to go up against the Sixers or the Bucks, two of the best defensive teams in the league which the Nets aren't I have a hard time believing that the Nets are are going to beat them in the playoffs uh you know especially if they're not going to be able to put up the offensive numbers that they usually do but this makes it even more concerning because, you know, even if they do have those offensive numbers in certain games, uh, there'll be those other games where this is going to happen and uh, they don't play as well. And they especially don't play well on the road. 16-13 and 13 on the road this year uh, in comparison to 23-7 and seven on the uh, at home. So uh, in addition to the fact that they need these other guys playing well, especially when they're playing against the best defensive teams in the league, whether it be, you know, the Sixers, the Bucks, or even the Knicks, you know, if that happens to be a first-round matchup. Um, you know, it, and their struggles to finish the season, if these guys aren't going to be on the court, could lead them to dropping seeds. And then if they drop seeds, that'll hurt them even more playing against these good defensive teams and not having a home court. They would obviously have home court against the Knicks. That's not who I'm really discussing about. I'm more of talking about second-round type against the uh, Bucks or the Sixers. Um, you know, if they're not going to host, if they're not going to have home court advantage for that, uh, I definitely would be a little bit concerned. Uh, the the further they go down, you know, if they're going to go any further down than two, I'd officially, I'd really say that my 
my guess would be that they're not going to make the finals. Uh, I think that they would need to have uh, that easy trip to the conference finals and having home court at least, because uh, clearly, as I said, they're way better at home than on the road. Um, you know, role players are obviously going to be going to play better at home than on the road, uh, and it just happens to be that the Sixers and the Bucks and the Knicks. Three amazing defensive teams. The Nets, really not anything special on the defensive end. Um, you know, maybe even though last night the numbers show good defensive numbers and only allowing 43% uh, field goal percentage, 38% from three, uh, we, you have to take into consideration they were playing the Toronto Raptors, not a good team this year, like have validated themselves as not a good team this year. Uh you know, the Knicks have validated themselves as a good team. They beat the teams that aren't good, such as the Raptors, such as they did a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, so I'd say I'm not overly concerned about the Nets, especially because those guys are out. If they could get, I think that Harden is going to be out for the remainder of the season. But if they can get KD back before the end of the season, I think that that would be very beneficial to just get Kyrie, KD clicking together, um, you know, getting these these other uh, role players going. Not that they haven't been going the whole season, but, uh, you know, this is what concerns me the most for the Nets, their uh, lack of uh, chemistry right now in terms of the big three, being on the court together, working it out. Uh, and the occasional game in which their role players don't show up, we see we, in which we saw last night, uh, caused them to lose to a bad team like the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you know, so you, you never know what could happen in the playoffs. The playoffs are a totally new season. Uh, and, you know, the Nets, for all we know, could be the best defensive team when it comes to the playoffs. Um, you know, they additionally didn't even have Nick Claxton last night. That's a guy that I really like. Uh, I think I made that clear. Uh, I think he's, you know, very beneficial to uh, the defensive end and rebounding. Uh, two areas where the Nets struggle. Uh, he also brings that just that intensity that uh, that a Knicks player brings this year uh, to the Nets. So I think that that could, you know, potentially change uh, the vibe around the Nets, especially on the defensive end. Uh, come playoff time, if they see a guy like that giving it his all, like Claxton does every single possession. Uh, it'll it'll inspire the Nets to give it their all as well. But uh, in only scoring 103 law 103 points and giving up 114 points in a loss to the not so great Raptors last night, I'd say that it's cause for concern for the Nets. Um, you know, there's not so many games left in in the season. Uh, in their last five games, they are three and two, uh, and now they have to play their next game against the Celtics tomorrow evening. Uh, I hope the Nets win that game. Again, the Celtics are right behind the Knicks for that, uh, you know, four seed or even five seed. Don't really want the Knicks to move down to six. I want them to stay in that four or five range. I'm not getting picky here. Uh, it's just what I want. I'm not going to get too upset if it doesn't happen. But uh, the Nets kind of struggling as of late. Uh, they're if you want to, if I want to be nice, I'll say three and three in the last six, two and three in the last five, and then they're four and three in the last seven. Uh, so really struggling uh, as of late, um, you know. And the Knicks are 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 on their way to uh, you know the four seed. They are in the four seed, but hopefully securing that spot. They got that tough road trip coming up, so uh, it's going to be very exciting to see how both uh, the Knicks 
and the Nets finish their seasons. Uh, you know, the Knicks going through a, a point in time where they're peaking, uh, you know, higher than they ever have for the per, for the first time in like 11 years. Uh, the Nets uh, have been peaking this entire season. Uh, and you know have one of the, clearly have one of the best rosters in the league so it's a great time to be a New York basketball fan but do you want to know what it's not a good time to be uh, yes it is back to that Thanos meme uh, the Knicks are finally good but what did it cost uh, in that Gamora scene it cost the Yankees uh, and the Yankees after breaking their five game losing streak to the Braves two nights ago Lose to the Braves last night by a score of four to one. Uh, we moved to four and seven at home, six and eleven overall. We're back to having the worst rec- tied for the worst record in the American League. Uh, we have guys like Giancarlo Stan paying two hundred seventy-five million dollars to hitting one fifty-eight. Uh, Rune Odor hitting one twenty. I'm sure Brian Cashman thought he would be the huge acquisition at the to start the season. Not, at least not right now. Aaron Hicks hitting 154. Gary Sanchez down to 200. Clint Frazier hitting 175. Uh, and again, you know, to start the season, we were having the issues with not uh, pulling up with runners in scoring position. Uh, now we're not even getting the runners in scoring position. Uh, originally it would be like one of 10 with runners in scoring position, one of nine, whatever it was. Now we're one of three. So it makes it look good, but in reality, it's not because we're not even getting the guys uh, into areas where we need them to. It makes me feel like guys are just swinging for the fences. We're not trying to get just base hits, just runners on base. We're swinging for the fences every time. Uh, I think that it's pretty noticeable also. Um, you know, even in comparison to the Braves, the Braves scored four runs and they went 0 of 8 with runners scoring position. I'm not going to lie. I really believe that I think that I'd prefer us go 0 for 8 with runners scoring position than 1 for 3. 1 for 3 shows more of a struggle uh, than 0 for 8 because that means that we're not even getting the runners on base. Uh, you know, we, we even left the same amount of runners on base overall. Uh, they left nine runners on base. We left nine runners on base. Uh, it's just that we're not getting we're not even getting those runners into scoring position. Uh, we're just leaving them on like on first base, I guess. Uh, and the only way we even were able to to get a run last night uh, was not until the ninth inning. Frazier uh, singled and scored in Hicks. Uh, I believe that that Hicks got on base there via walk. Uh, you know, he's still got his on-base percentage over 100 points above his average. Uh, I still believe that he should be leading off, even that with that 154 average, uh, giving, you know, Judge that opportunity to, to be up potentially with two two runners on base instead of just one. Um, I don't know why Stan hits third. Uh, I think that easily Judge should hit third over Stan. Um, you know, I, I think that Stan's a four-hitter. That's where he should be. That's where he's most comfortable. Not that he's comfortable in any spot this year, but I mean, even give me your shallow over standing at third. Just don't put standing at third right now. There's no reason that you should be putting a 158 hitter in the three spot. Give me the 276 hitter. Give me a 268 hitter. Give me a 277 hitter in Urshela, Judge, or LeMay. You don't give me a 158 hitter in Stanton and trying to give him some confidence, I guess, to, to really get back into things. Uh, you know, don't don't give me um, Torres in the five hole hitting 186. Move him down a little bit. You know, give the best players uh, the spots that they deserve. And honestly, although Hicks isn't the best player, his 267 on-base percentage 
proves to me, uh, I believe that he's the only guy on this team that has an on-base percentage over 100 points higher uh, than his batting average. I'm incorrect about that. Glaber Torres is also in that category. But point is, is that uh, he's one of those guys. Uh, I think it would be beneficial for him to lead off, uh, get on base via the walk. Uh, clearly is, is getting walked this year based on his on-base percentage. Uh, so I think it would be beneficial to get a guy up there like that. I understand that they are concerned about the lack of lefties in the lineup, but I'd like to point out that last night they went for six le- uh, five lefties in a row, I believe. Five lefties in a row, and the Braves threw out a righty to pitch. Uh, so... And that the fact that they went with five righties in a row and and a righty was pitching makes me think that they're no longer as concerned about splitting the lineup between righties and lefties as they have been in the past. Um, so I'm hoping that my wish comes to fruition. We move Hicks to first and move LeMayu to the two-hole, Judge to three. Um, I don't even care what you do with the rest of the lineup. I just think that that is the most ideal. Uh, I think that that is uh, how our lineup will be the most productive. Uh you know, and I'm not 100% sure if they agree with that. I guess that they don't, considering the fact that they haven't done it yet. But uh, I just I just think it makes the most sense, and I'm going to continue arguing for it on every day, every rant, every dogmatist, whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to ask for them to do that every single day. But once again, can't really blame the pitching so much when uh, you look at it. Another non-quality uh, start for the Yankees. What's new? Uh, Kluber can't even finish the fourth inning. Goes four and two-thirds. Only two earned runs. Uh, you know, there's not really much to be said. I don't think that we really, I think that the jury's still open on Kluber. Uh, he only threw 91 pitches. He got his ERA down to 5.4 last night. So it was a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty decent start, although he got the loss. Um, really can't blame the pitching so much for this one. Uh, they go, the pitching goes the rest of the way. Four and a third. Um, only giving up one earned run. Obviously, it was two runs overall, but only one of them was earned. Uh, so, in total, three earned runs in the game. Uh, we give up four runs total and can't even get to that mark. <laughs> you know, can't even score four runs on on a bad day. It used to be four runs was a bad day. Now, bad days can't score four runs. Um, so, you know, I, and again. Looking at the runners left on base, we had the same amount of runners left on base as the Braves. The issue is that we're not moving those runners over. A runner gets on base, and guess what? He can't steal, and he can't be advanced by the by the next hitter. So, you know, we're not playing team baseball. Baseball is a team sport. You know, you got to go around the circle, go around the lineup, get guys going, and... Uh, you know, go from one guy to the next. That's when that's when baseball teams are at their best. When uh, you can go around the lineup, uh, you know, in in a single inning, and and really knock around the bull, uh, pitcher, knock him out of the game, get it to the bullpen, knock around the bullpen. Uh, but I don't think that the Yankees have batted around their lineup one time uh, to start this year. Uh, you know, and that's something that is usually like a not, I'm a, I won't call it a norm for the Yankees. But uh, it's definitely, definitely something that's seen pretty often uh, when talking about the Yankees, or a.k.a. the Bronx Bombers. And uh, going back, looking at their, their stats and hitting-wise, 28th in runs, 29th in batting average. Their batting average is 205 as a team. That's terrible. They're literally at the Mendoza line. 
as a team. That's miserable. And they're somehow not the worst. I don't know how. Uh, they're 24th in on-base percentage. Shows that they're still getting walked. I think that they need to be more patient. That's the Yankee way, you know? Uh, being patient at the plate, may, forcing the pitcher to pitch strikes, uh, which is pretty should be usually easy to do when you have scary guys in the lineup all over. Uh, but the guys haven't been scary to start the year, and it goes to show with the fact that they're 30th in slugging percentage. That is last in the league. Slugging percentage is the amount of time that you get a double, a triple, or a home run. Uh, there's a reason that the Yankees are called the Browns Bombers. Uh, it's because of their slugging percentage, and right now they have the worst slugging percentage in the league. Uh, I don't think that Hicks has a home run yet. I think that Stanton might have, like, one home run on the season. Um, other guys like Torres, I'm not I'm not 100% sure if he has a home run yet. If he does, he only has one. Clint Frazier, I don't believe, has a home run yet. Maybe one RBI on the season uh, or two after last night. But overall, you know, it's just clear that the, that the hitting is the problem. Uh, yes, I believe that starting pitching is a problem. Uh, I'm looking at quality starts right now for the Yankees. I don't believe that's right because it went. I believe that we had four yesterday. Now it says we have zero and that we're tied for 11th. I don't really know uh, about quality starts. I don't think that our, we've had many quality starts. I'd say that the biggest concerns right now are the hitting, which I think will turn around, turn it around at some point, but we'll wind up having the same concerns in the playoffs of relying too much on the home run, not uh, using the base hit to, or stealing bases to, to move guys around the base paths and, uh, you know, just relying on that home run ball to, to get the guys in. Uh, it's it's played us uh, going back to the ALCS against the Astros four or five years ago, then in the ALDS against the Red Sox, the ALCS against the Astros again, and then the ALDS against the Rays last year. It's literally plagued us every single playoff series, going for the home run too much. Uh, so I, I think that the offense will come around at some point. I'm not too concerned. I'm not pressing the panic button by any means by the Yankees. If the Yankees do suck, I'll just accept it. I'm not pressing any panic button. I'll just say that major changes need to happen if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year. That's the only panic that I say. Uh, you know, I've had enough good uh, good luck, good charm with the Yankees over my years. Uh, I'll just take the Knicks being good right now, you know, and I got the NFL draft coming up next week, so excited for that. But uh, in terms of the hitting, you know, they, they got to start hitting for base hits, not for home runs. Uh, and the pitching needs to, needs to show some consistency. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that four innings pitched is, is consistency unless you want to see that every single time, which obviously you don't. Uh, you know, we need to see more out of Kluber, out of Tyon, um, even out of Montgomery, honestly. Uh, and then hopefully Luis Severino will come back to 100% uh, and Davey Garcia will be able to show us something. Uh, but for now, you know, our, our pitching overall, not the concern. It's just our starting pitching, our bullpen really saving us. It puts our ERA at sixth overall, whip at sixth, batting average against at seventh. Uh, so overall, the pitching's been good. Uh, definitely concerns about the starting pitching, but right now, obviously, the main concern is the hitting. I think it'll they'll turn themselves around at some point, but, you know, who the hell knows? It could just be a down year. It happens. Uh, crazy things happen. So that's it for my rant on the Yanks. Uh, Going to move on to the Mets and their demolishing loss uh, to the Chicago Cubs last night, uh, losing 16-4. to 
They gave up seven runs in the fourth inning. Those were the first runs that they gave up the entirety of the game. Uh, the Mets committed four errors. Uh, multiple of those were actually in that inning. Um, they don't. They're not letting me know. Me know. Me know. Know what occurred in uh, on ESPN. But four errors. That's terrible. Uh, I I know that they that uh, J D Davis uh, made a couple uh, fielding miscues last night uh, and leading to that seven run fourth inning. Uh, you know they gave up runs in three innings in a row, going from four to six. Seven runs in the fourth. Three runs in the fifth. Then four runs in the sixth. Uh, you know, it's it's all it's pretty insurmountable to come up to come back against, uh, especially in the Mets situation when their hitting is struggling so much. Uh, at least w- it was nice to see Lindor get his first home run last night. He had a good game. He went three for four. Uh, he got his average up above the Mendoza line. He's at 222 now, still struggling though. You look at their whole lineup: McNeil hitting 167, Lindor 222, Alonso at 229, uh, Don Smith. After an 0 for 4 night, down to 233, even though he's playing well to start the year. Uh, JD Davis turning it around a little bit, uh, yeah, actually a lot. Uh, two, he went 2 4 last night, now he's 4 12. But getting back to the sh- people struggling, Michael Conforto, 171. Kevin Pillar, 111. Uh, James McCann, 250. Uh, that's, you know, I would take that honestly from a catcher, especially seeing the way Sanchez is playing right now. But, you know, the way the offense has been struggling so much for them recently, you really just can't give up that many runs. And uh, David Peterson got kind of screwed by the errors last night. Three earned runs, uh, but six runs total. Only three of those, only half the runs that he gave up were earned. Uh, clearly some of the fielding miscues, uh, you know, went to go, went to screw over the Mets. Uh, and then Gesellman comes in the next inning, more errors, two earned runs. Uh, gave up four runs overall, though, so... You know, more errors haunting the Mets uh, and uh, kind of ruined a, a couple guys. Uh, I don't know how Gesellman has been playing this year overall, but Patterson's ERA up to 6.75 now. Uh, Gesellman's got his ERA up to 7.71 now. Uh, so, you know, other than, their, other than their pitching, honestly, the Mets, their starting pitching, the, the Mets' bullpen has definitely been struggling a little bit. Like uh, the fact that the Mets... Overall, pitching ERA is eighth. Uh, the fact that it's anywhere close to the Yankees goes to show, you know, it's the opposite uh, for both teams. The Yankees have a good bullpen and okay starting pitching. And the Mets have amazing starting pitching and an okay bullpen. And it goes to show they're eighth in ERA, eighth in whip, 11th in batting average against. Uh, so, you know, they're pretty much in the same area uh, with the Yankees in terms of all pitching categories. Uh, goes to show that they're... You know, their, their bullpen is definitely uh, struggling. Not struggling, but they're not as good as their starting pitching. But the point is, is that your starting pitching and your pitching overall cannot be allowing that much, uh, you know, to opposing teams, especially a struggling Chicago Cubs team, still not even at 500, uh, when your hitting is, you know, 30th in runs and 27th in slugging percentage. Yes, the Mets are good batting average-wise. They're good on base percentage-wise. But when you go ahead and you look at the their, runner, their averages with runners of scoring position and the amount of runners they leave on base, uh, it's, it's really not good. Um, the, the Cubs went 8-15 of 15 last night 
with runners in scoring position. I think that that is something that both the Yankees and the Mets are very uh, jealous of. That's something that both teams uh, want to get going. Uh, an area in which both teams want to get going. But uh, the Mets went one of six and left eight runners on base. Pretty similar situation to uh, to the Yankees. And uh, it's, it's really been an everyday thing for the Mets and the Yankees at this point in struggling with runners in scoring position, leaving runners on base. Um, you know, the Mets are at least able to get double the amount of runners into scoring position than the Yankees were. Uh, the Yankees went one for three. The Mets went one for six. Uh, you know, but the, your pitching cannot allow an opposing team to go eight of 15 with runners in scoring position uh, when your offense is struggling so much. Um, you know, it is, it is, uh, you can't completely blame it on the pitching just because they've been playing so well, but Again, I wouldn't be too concerned about it if I was a Mets or Yankees fan. Maybe a little more for the Mets just because uh, the Mets have less luck with it than the Yankees do. But, uh, you know, once both teams start hitting, I think that they're going to start peaking and they're gonna, we're going to really see, start to see what, both, what each team is really about. And, uh, you know, uh, until we are going to see uh, guys like Lindor, Alonzo, uh, Torres, and Stanton really at their best... We don't know what these teams are about unless this is what they are and this is what this team is, uh, which I don't think is the case for either team. I think that both teams are underachieving right now, even though the Mets are still above 500. Uh, I think that both teams are underachieving right now and are both, you know, World Series caliber teams. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen again 21 years later, Subway Series, World Series. Uh, but for now, not looking so great for either team. Yankees starting a... Uh, Four games set against the Indians on the road uh, starting tonight, Thursday through Sunday. And uh, the, Nets are, the Mets are finishing their series against the Cubs at Wrigley Field tonight at 740 uh, before they go, travel back home uh, to face the Nationals in a big division series. Uh, so that's it for me today and my rant. Again, once again, you can catch this podcast on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at The Strive Sports. Hope you enjoyed listening to this rant today, and uh, you spread the word uh, about me and uh, my shows, and uh, keep spreading the love. Uh, catch you guys tomorrow for another rant, Yankees, Mets, uh, whatever it is tomorrow. No Knicks tonight. So for now. Peace out. Benjamin Klein, I'll see you boys tomorrow.